hole. <laughs> oh my god, I'm starting first. Fucking hell. Welcome to the Garbage Fart Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are running late, if you can't fucking tell. <laughs> the Garbage Fart Pod is all about being unironically passionate, to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Oh, God, Megan. <laughs> like, what is the ratio of times in which it's gone correctly? Because <laughs> I think it might be, like, I don't know, 100 to 1? We Well, when we used to do it in person, it would go more correctly. That's true. Um, now it's just a crapshoot. Well, the world is a crapshoot, so here we are. It's true. Uh, the world is miserable. But uh, one of the things that we didn't... Well, we did talk about it. So we're going to talk a little bit about Stranger Things because the last time we tried, we had some technical difficulties. Um, and by technical difficulties, my whole side of the audio just was lost. Um, yeah. So I still have my side of the audio, which is fascinating. What I thought I would do is just send it to you and you could like try and fill it in which that would have been hilarious yeah there's no way i wouldn't have done that though no i would well how could you have how could you have done that like it would have been like what were we talking about what's so like anyway um because sometimes when and I and then you're like no but yeah because <laughs> yeah, like, uh. sometimes when i'm listening back like when i'm trying to line the tracks up or whatever i'm always just like uh okay yeah um so one of the things that we didn't that we did talk about but never made it to to air was that uh, the Oilers traded away Milan Lucic, um, and I just I'm gonna take this opportunity again to talk about it because I kind of forgot about it until the other day uh, when I was watching Sports Center and they made somebody said something about that. I think like they were doing like a thing about the the Flames and like the similar offseason moves and there was something Milan Lucic just not Calgary Flame and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I was very excited about that. <laughs> well, I don't know if excited is the correct word. Well, I, I mean, I used to, I, you'll recall, and other people who listen to this will recall that I will say things like, uh, the heat death of the universe will come and Milan Lucic will still be an Edmonton Oilers. So the heat death of the universe hasn't happened yet and he's no longer an Oilers. So I'd like to say that I'm kind of excited about it because I was wrong. <laughs> so... I, because I wasn't on the tweet, what was the overall reaction to this whole scenario? Uh, there were three very different reactions. Actually, I'll say four. So there were people, Oilers fans, who really liked Lucic and were sad to see him go. Mm -hmm. uh, there were other people, the camp to which I belong, who were quite happy to see him go. There were Flames fans who were like, oh fuck, what's happening? And then there was literally everybody else being like, what the fuck, why the fuck, who the fuck, and how. <laughs> because none of it makes any sense. That's amazing. I feel like... <sighs> I should have asked at Calgary. Well, I was... Here's the thing. I know some people who we would consider homers... Uh -huh. who don't lay on the ground and go whoop, whoop, whoop and spin around in a circle, but instead 
never have an issue with what the team does ever. So this person whom I know, I'm trying to be very careful, (laughs) (laughs) was immediately like, well, let's pull up the stats between the two. Let's see who's better. And it was just like, what? (laughs) Like, no, they're both bad. They're both real bad. They're both bad. It like, And they just saw this as like a competition between Edmonton and Calgary. And it's like, what you don't realize is it's 2019. And in any competition, both teams lose. Yeah. in every, <laughs> All sides lose. In every iteration of any competition between the two sides, yes. Yes. Um, but the thing that I think is interesting, and I mean, you know, obviously I got some strong feelings about Lucic. Um, <laughs> for... For reasons that I can't quite put a finger on. Um, but uh, <laughs> but one of the things that I found really interesting about watching sort of the debate and, and people's reactions to it is that some of the more pragmatic Oilers fans, and this is why the Calgary fans were like, what is happening and why everyone else around the league is like, what the fuck is going on? Because Lucic's contract is basically bio-proof, the way that it's structured. Um, it doesn't. It saves you like virtually no money to buy him out. Whereas, like, a buyout over time is supposed to save a little bit of money on, on real salary. Um, but James Neal, because he doesn't have a no-move clause and his contract is not buyout-proof, um, I think his cap it is a little tiny bit higher, but that means if it doesn't work out at the end of the year, they can just buy him out and be done with it. Right. And so, or trade him away without having to, like, get a- approval from his agent or from him to like waive his no move class that kind of thing right and I think that that's a really important distinction so like in the long term I think that the Oilers win the trade if only because when the contract when it doesn't work out they can offload the contract whereas the Flames like I don't know what the fuck they were doing (sighs) yeah I don't know either like that's that's bizarre to me. I don't know what the perception is of Flames ownership other than like being dicks about inserting themselves into politics and things like that. Well, I know everyone's um, real mad about the arena business right now. Are they? Oh, yeah. Pourquoi? Because public money to pay for a private arena is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yes, I'm upset about that. I thought you meant like the, um, they're mad at ownership. Well, they're just mad at... Well, kind of, yeah. Because ownership could build their own fucking arena. Like, that's yeah. the whole point, right? If you want if you want the arena, then you invest in it yourself and you build it. And then, there, then there's no, like... Then there's also no, like, qualifiers on it, right? Yeah. You get all the profits from the parking and you get this and you get this because it's your land and it's your thing. And now everything is, you know... And then, then it's just a sunk cost. And I think... You know, watching what's been going on and listening to some of my Calgary buds who are pretty vocal about it and, like, noticing that, like, you know, city council just cut $60 million out of operating budgets for, like, emergency services, but then they're like, well, let's build an arena. Yeah, literally the same day. Literally the same day that happened. And I remembered being so fucking irate because what they're cutting from is legit, like, essential stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, transit, city workers. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, guys? Mm -hmm. And then where's this money coming from for the arena? Mm -hmm. 
It's so frustrating to see people who I would say are like fiscally and politically conservative being like, oh, it's such a great thing. And it's like, what? That's what I don't understand. Because well, if yeah. you are like a fiscal conservative and politically conservative, you would say like, what is public money even doing in this situation? Like, if you're an entrepreneur and you have the money, spend your own money and build your own shit. You shouldn't need to rely on public money. Well, one of the, one of the interesting responses that I've seen is from, you know, Brett Wilson. Yes. So I don't particularly like him. Um, and he's on Twitter and he's obviously very conservative and, and very right wing about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and one of the things that he likes to talk about when it comes to business is like how he did this all himself. Right? Like this whole sort of self-made whatever, which is great. And I, and I, whatever, that's fine. If he's a self-made man, that that's fantastic. But he also like fully supports this arena deal. Um, which leads you to believe that like billionaires don't, they get rich somehow and then they don't, but they don't stay rich if they spend their own money. Right? Like that's sort of the whole thing. Sure. Right. But no, and then that's, about, but if you look at. No, yes. I'm just, just trying to, I'm trying to add to that conversation. Right. Because if it's. You, if you look at how deals like this go down or whatever, like, yeah, you have these rich people who own these teams, but they don't stay rich if they just keep spending their own money. Mm-hmm. so upsetting yeah public money for private ownership is really fucking stupid to me but and it's one thing I, I, I thought the same thing with Rogers Place in Edmonton I thought like you know it would be one thing if the city provided you know the yes okay so the city's gonna kick in some of the funding for the arena and I was like but it would make sense then if then there's let's say like some parking space that the city gets to get the revenue from uh-huh. But they don't. Nope. Right? The only the only, the only, only thing that the city benefits from in... Well, I mean, obviously there's, like, property tax. There's a whole bunch of things. But, like, the only sort of immediate, like, daily benefit from that arena that's downtown for the city right now is when there's events going on. The street mm-hmm. parking in that, like, downtown core is more money. Right? Because after, but that's after not six, even... it's usually... After six, it's, like, it's supposed to be free. But during events, it's, like, three fifty an hour. But all those parkades are, like, privately owned parkades. So, like, mm-hmm. there's not even that, like, minute direct benefit. No. It's, yeah, it's... I'm sure there's people out there who know much more about it than me, but I'm not into it. Yeah, and I mean, there's something about... I was listening to The Bear the other day, and they were talking about this. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, no, shockingly, I was listening to the radio. Um, I couldn't find the aux cord for my phone, and so I was listening to the radio. Um... Um, now it's been a while since Paul Brown was on the, sh- the morning show, but since he's been gone, it's much better now. It's a lot less dumb. Um, but they were talking about the arena deal. And one of the, the things that the afternoon guy brought up was that, you know, now that Calgary's going to have this fancy new arena, what does that do for concerts here in Edmonton? Nothing. But it does because there's shows that Calgary like doesn't get because the way the saddle dome is shaped like, oh, I see what you mean. There's not enough. There's like not enough like clearance in the ceiling to, for the the stage setup or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine they'll still do two shows potentially, but not always. Right? Like that's that's sort of the thing. Is like maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just do the one. And Calgary, of course, is so much easier to get to and and whatever. And like, not that it matters to me. Like I don't particularly care. But it was just an interesting thing. Like once 
there's a facility that can handle some of those those <clears throat> setups, you know, will will we still have access to those performers? I was like, oh. But it's like that was something that just came about not necessarily on purpose. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a mm-hmm. tangential outcome of getting a new arena. Like it's right. not like that was the point of it. But still like Ugh, Edmontonians. I know Ugh, there's this Calgarians. weird there's this there's this weird like inferiority complex. I when, don't like, think it's that though. It it definitely is. There's like and I find it maybe the just being on like the sports Twitter and like whatever. I lots of lots of Edmonton people and Oilers fans like to point out that like Oh yeah, well, what's 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 happening in Calgary? I'm like, well, why does it matter? Like their team was better than you. Like there's a whole bunch of things, and I was like, or just let it go. Like who cares? And I find yeah. the whole that whole weird comparison thing really interesting. I don't get it at all. I don't really either. Both cities suck in different ways, <laughs> and they're both great in different ways too. Yes. Everything is neutral. <laughs> I mean, at least it's not Red Deer. Oh, fuck. Ain't that the goddamn truth, <laughs> man? Ain't that the goddamn truth? Uh, yeah. Okay, do you want to talk about the, the Stranger Things? Okay, let's do this, like, as briefly as we can. <laughs> well, yeah, because I haven't watched any of it since we, like, last tried this either. Yeah, me neither. Okay, so here's some spoilery bits for the next little while. Um, I really liked this season. Mm-hmm. I thought all, like, as a whole, I thought it was pretty well done. And I enjoyed some of the character development that we got, some secondary characters. Um, we've talked about her before, but Erica's the fucking best. Of course. She's ridiculously funny uh, and I hope in the next season that she plays like another I mean now that she knows what's going on she plays she's gonna have to play a role oh god I hope so maybe she'll be the new main character <laughs> <laughs> well I mean like Will's gone so you know the story's ostensibly about Will Byers so he's gone and whatever Will is not gone there's and, no way that they're gone gone and uh, and Elle's gone they're not gone. So I just imagine Erica with a flamethrower. That's that's what it's gonna be. That's what the promo picture is gonna be for season but. four. It's just Erica with a flamethrower. Which like fucking print that out and get it tattooed on my chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While she's also sampling ice cream because you know. Oh for sure. Like she's got a fucking tub of Ben and Jerry's in her arm, and in the other hand is a flamethrower. Yeah. And she's, like, wearing a fanny pack and a backpack. Yeah. Like, put it in my veins. But um, I'm still upset about the end. Yeah. I'm still upset. I'm upset by... I'm not upset by the end. Let me rephrase. I'm upset by the feeling, overwhelmingly on the internet, apparently, that Hopper is the in the Russian prison. And I still think that that's a cheap thing to do to his character story. And I'm not, I'm not on board for that. Well, um, I, I think that like, if this was the end, 
if this was the last season, then I would agree with you. But if we know there's going to be more. And I feel like one of the things that I had read about that afterwards was that maybe he made it through the gate before it got closed and that's how he ended up there. Sure, but which, as I said before, which, then it just robs the whole emotional journey that we went on with him and with Elle and with Joyce to just a, be like, JK, he's back. But see, I, I'm a sucker for like a good reunion scene though. Like that's one of my favorite things. And so I would be okay with that. But I, I feel like, like I get, I, I, I get where you're coming from because it, it does cheapen the thing because of the, the sacrifice obviously that he, that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he did it's manage... It's not noble if he lives. <laughs> well, but no. But, I mean, ultimately, like, he ends up... Let's just say that he ends up making it through the gate and does end up in fucking Russia and is in that prison. Mm-hmm. The reason, then, in that little after credits thing where they, like, don't take the American is to use him as leverage of some kind, right? And then that that turns into a very different sort of character's journey for him. Mm-hmm. And then I think if that's the case, then I feel like then it doesn't, excuse me, it doesn't necessarily take away from what he did. Because now it's just, now that the rest is like an extension of that. Yeah, I'm just going to have to wait and see what they do in season four to, because <sighs> if he shows up like in, fucking promo pics I'm just gonna be irate but we will see I'm upset about it (laughs) I know that last like that ending scene with like his voiceover reading the letter Mm -hmm. was heartbreaking absolutely I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed during that thing It was so, it was perfect in that, in its execution, because Hopper would not have been able to say that to Elle. Yeah. And then, secondly, it tied in so many other things from, like, the beginning of the season with him just being a mad fat dad the whole time. Yeah. And then just being like, please, for your dear old dad, three inches. Yeah. Ugh. And it was really good. It was really, really well done. And I really enjoyed um, at the at the end there, or I guess in, in the seventh one, where um, Steve and Robin, like, you know, they're, they're, whatever their relationship is, is very solidified based on that conversation they have in the bathroom, mm-hmm. um, which is I thought was really good. Oh, for sure. And, like, saw it coming a mile away. And like you said in our last recording... That slide under the bathroom door was <laughs> fucking disgusting, but fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was amazing. And I'm just really proud of little Steve Harrington. He's just, he's doing so great. He is, and, and you know, he's, he's good as a 19-year-old dad of four or five, <laughs> I guess. Or like nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, because like now but that I'm... Eric, well now that Eric, yeah, I guess more than that, because there's the boys and Max and L and Erica, so seven. He's a dad of seven. 
Well, I'm including Jonathan and yeah. Nancy too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he, the, so much more than you would have expected from like his character in season one, right? Like just the way that mm-hmm. that his character had developed. Because in season one, he was such a fucking dick at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and I like how he even like allows himself to understand that like the people he hung out with like contributed to him being that way yeah and he was like oh yeah well i only did that because those people were watching or those people were in the room and robin's still like well that still fucking sucks (laughs) like (laughs) you can you can just not be an asshole and i appreciate that yeah no he's uh yeah i i would say like i think of all of the characters um over the course of the series he's probably the one that's shown like the most active growth yeah i totally agree and it's slowly becoming more about him than about like just the kids mm-hmm. which i think is good too because like they do need some guidance once in a while they at least need someone who can drive a car yes and they need some guidance from like an adult who's also not so lost in adult things like he doesn't have a ton of responsibility no so for the kids to be like well who do we know with the car he's like well okay i guess where where are we going to the kids we go to the pool like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll pick you up at seven <laughs> yeah it's good I, I think i like this season better than last season i think on the whole me too um, cause I think it, character wise it did a little bit more, but I also think that there was just more, more good story development. Mm-hmm. And it now, was funnier. It was also scarier. Well, I don't and, know if we talked about this. Did you feel anything for Billy? A when he has bit. that like little turn and, and Elle helps him kind of remember who he is. A little bit. Yeah. I've, you know, because you realize that, like, he's not... Because, I mean, when he's first introduced, he's a monster, right? Like, as mm-hmm. a human. And then he becomes a monster. But, like, you know, so you can't... It's hard to it's hard to sympathize with him in any way because he's such a dick. Mm-hmm. Right? And, the, and you know right off the bat that there's basically not going to be any opportunity for redemption with him. Yeah. Um, but so when, when Elle sort of is able to... When Elle is kind of able to kind of tap into that, and you know, help him remember some, you know, remind him of some of these good things from his childhood and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you do feel a little bit bad for him because you realize that, like, you know, a lot of where what what he is is like born out of some kind of trauma. Yes, when L got into his memories and was like going through and like seeing chrono in a chr- chronological got there. <laughs> way like all the traumas that were leading to the like source i was just like yeah and okay his mom's getting beat up okay his mom is left okay now he's beating up kids yep got it <laughs> like yeah yeah tracks 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 <laughs> it makes it makes a lot of sense like how yeah. he why he is the way that he is um and it and it sucked for to watch that and to like watch max have to watch that yeah you know, because, like, at the end of it all, I mean, sure, he was a bit of a dick to her, but he's still her brother. So is, like, now I'm, like, is Max's mom in danger from this abusive man? 
I don't know. Like, does Max know? Have they all experienced? Like, it's so upsetting. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, Maybe it was directed solely at Billy, and maybe that's why he's, you know, the way he was sort of to that extent. Possibly. Did you also think that, like, when his um his dad was beating on his mom did you also have that thing of like oh like he's gonna kill her mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i was just like oh no i don't know i don't want to see this young boy see his mom die but almost worse that she just like straight up ghosted him yeah but yeah, so so getting that little backstory on him, and I think it was important that we didn't get it in the first, like in season two. Mm-hmm. Because I think it helps to kind of make more sense why he was maybe susceptible. Yes. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Susceptible is a perfect word to the mind flare. Like, yeah, because, you, you know, very susceptible, and, and he, the power of suggestion, I think, is pretty strong with him, all things considered. Yeah. Um, even though he comes across as this super tough whatever he is but he's just so gross like yeah he's pretty gross with that fucking wig blech yeah blech 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 um and that gross mustache blech. yeah um but it, no i like wasn't... Sorry, sorry say your thing go it wasn't in the last recording where we talked about how he's not cute right no i think it was in the one before okay good because he's not no, he's not. But you can definitely understand, and I think we said this before, Like, and, and I get why he was sort of portrayed the way he was. Like, You can understand why people would be attracted to that. Abs- well, he's like, if there's anyone who's atypical 80s, like, he's got the whole face for it. Yeah. Like, he looks like someone who 80s people would find to be interesting and attractive. But yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm assuming that he's done and gone and never coming back. I'm assuming that there's no way that they can bring that back. And again, I guess that's the, you know, we saw the body, right? So. Yes, I know. That's and that's the dumb thing with, but that's the thing though with like TV movies. Until you see the body, you can't believe it. But also, everyone else in that room was fucking laser blasted into infinity. We saw those people get. But we didn't see him get laser blasted. That's the I whole point. I know, and this is in contributing to my upsetness. <sighs> anyway, we'll see. He'll be back. Goddamn Duffer Brothers. Yeah, but he's the thing is though, like the character himself, right? That's the thing. It's like people love the character. Yeah, and I do too. Adore him. Would love to see more time with him. But only on my terms. Oh, I see. I know I understand how this works. Okay. Fine. As a true fan. I see oh, how this works. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so on the whole, I think it was a good season. I think uh, I'm excited to see what happens in four because I guess the kids are getting older. Like, it's, you know, they got to kind of keep up and sort of there's going to be a bit of a time jump, obviously, because they're going to age some more. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they'll have to, like, have some kind of a time jump. Um, but it'll be interesting just to kind of see where where this next season takes us. Because I think they said that it's either going to end after the fourth or fifth, depending on, like, the, it's it's done after five for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so I'm sure that in their development for four, once the, once they figure out if there's gonna be a fifth, it will sort of dictate the story. Yeah, which, which I think we talked about. Like, I like how it was a shorter season because it didn't seem like there was any wasted time. Yes. So even if it was four, I think that would be fine. But what I don't want is two bloated seasons with, like, eight episodes each when they only need ten. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, yeah. But... But they're starting to learn from, like, that British model of television. Yes. Where... Have a hard end in sight. Yeah, which I think is really important. Um, and, like, I, I think about, you know, like, The Last Kingdom as, as a good example of that. Um, where there's a hard cap on on the number of episodes and like each season is two books and that's that yeah I Uh, totally agree yeah I think that makes I think that I think that makes a big difference in sort of how because when you watch other like um, you know other American TV or whatever where you've got 22 episodes it's too much oh yeah 22 episodes and then fucking like 12 seasons like what's even happening with your characters nothing is realistic anymore no and, <laughs> like, unless it's a show like svu or whatever where the yeah, character is, if it's like, a procedural fine then it does you could have it it could run for 25 seasons and you could just keep replacing actors as they don't want to do yeah. it anymore but if it's like a story around a certain number of characters like there's only so much conflict that can happen in a person's life yeah, uh, yeah, and and so having like Stranger Things like finishing after four or five, I think is great. And having more than that, like, because there comes a point. I know we talked about this on the the lost recording. It's like there comes a point where like, how do the people in this fucking town have how have they not just like packed up and left? Like, yeah, for how sure. is the town not a ghost town at this point? Well, now like a shit ton of them died, straight up died. Yeah. Like I don't understand how these people haven't just relocated literally anywhere else. I don't know. I hope they do now. Well, Joyce is leading the fucking pack. But, well, and I guess now the police chief is gone. What, his two fucking deputies are going to be in charge of that town? No, but, like, you know, but that's that's the thing, though, right? Now the police chief is gone and the mayor, you know, like, there's shit, like, like there's, there's been a bit of a change, I guess. In, like, right, yes. So that'll be maybe a thing. But, yeah, like, how that town still has more than, like, 500 people is shocking to me. Oh, absolutely. Because, like... It's unbelievable. Yeah. How many people are still there. Yeah. After, like, disappearances. But then I think what we talked about in... <laughs> capital T, capital L, capital R, the lost recording. <laughs> <laughs> is because it was, like, a government, quote-unquote, funded facility. Do all those people work there? Do they oh, know? And they yeah. just, like, don't care? Or they don't really know. It's, it's like, one of those things, like, when you're working in, like, a, a factory for, like, like a food factory, where everyone's responsible for one very small part of the thing. Right. And you don't really know what's going on elsewhere. You know those super high-classified food factories? No, there's, like... <laughs> no, there's, like, certain, certain, like, companies or whatever, their factories, like, whatever, like, Mrs. Fields Cookies and, like, Coca-Cola and all that kind of stuff. Like, there are people who are responsible for, like particular parts of the process who know nothing about what goes on in the rest of the building 
and yeah. that's part of keeping but that's part of keeping like the whole thing secret the mystery alive um so like maybe it's one of those you know it could be that as well where like you know the per- the people on the fifth floor are they have a special fifth floor elevator right and that's it so they don't get to see what happens elsewhere and like the data entry person doesn't know what's going you know what i mean like the, there is that possibility as well that it's very like the higher your security clearance the more that you know but if you're one of those like basic basic Grants employees you kind don't, of, yeah. don't know much it's true I, but i mean i don't know like it's whatever it is but anyway do you have or anything more? maybe it's a commentary on the deep you know sickly underbelly of corporate america i don't know <laughs> oh that's where we're going hey <laughs> cool 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 I say that, and then, like, I do have an Amazon Prime account, and I ordered, like, four things last week, so. Yeah. You know. I'm made up of multitudes. Yeah, we're all part of it. (laughs) Um, Do you have anything more you want to say about Stranger Things? Uh, No, loved it. Best season three, second best season one, last season number two. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. ranking. Yeah, I, I can go with that. I can go with that. Um, Can I tell you quickly before you talk about the movie about two books I read this week? Absolutely. That are just fucking wild beans? Yeah. So the first one, it's the most recent one, so I'll talk about it first, was The Silent Patient by Alex Michelides. Okay. Oh my god, Megan, I need you to read this fucking book. Okay. So it's... um, kind of a psychological thriller where a woman, an artist, is um, found presumably uh, after killing her husband. She shot him in the face six times and then slit her wrists. And from that point on, she doesn't speak. Okay. Like, for, like, six years. And this, like, forensic psychologist becomes obsessed with the case and is like, I'm going to get her to speak. I'm going to get her to, like, come to terms with this trauma or whatever, whatever. Like, it's, it's like, pseudo-obsession, but also legitimately is, like, I'm in the field of psychology and I think I can actually help this person. Okay. And... It was shocking to me how everything played out. Like, absolutely shocking. I could not have predicted the next chapter of the book in any capacity whatsoever. Interesting. It really fucking threw me for a loop-de-loop. And it's like a fast read. I started reading it at 6 p.m. And then, like, got doing you know other things made dinner took my dog for a walk and then i just stayed up till one and finished it so it's one of those so i do highly recommend d um i just yeah there's not much i can say without giving it away which is really frustrating hey so sorry it was called the silent patient the silent patient okay by alex michelides and yeah, high oh high recommend four out of five on Goodreads, which is pretty good. There you go. Um, so just like high recommend if you've read it, get at me. 
because then we can actually talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the other one that I read was called Molokai, and it's by Alan Brennert. And it's an older book, but it was one where I was like, um, oh, this cover of this book is really beautiful. I wonder what it's about. Um, And I read the back cover, and essentially the premise is that it's set in Hawaii at the turn of the century okay. in the 1890s. And this um, kind of big, sprawling Hawaiian family uh, has to deal with the facts that Rachel, the main character, um, gets leprosy or Hansen's disease, as it's more PC to call it these days, uh, and is taken to Molokai, where she essentially has to live her life in quarantine. And it's so beautiful and such like a rich world that the author created because um, not only is it like her going through this process in like freaking 1900s, like there's no cure for or treatment for leprosy really. So it's just like doctors constantly either fucking shit up or just not doing anything helpful at all or um, experimenting a lot. But then there's also, at the same time, the book deals with the um, essentially takeover of Hawaii by the U.S. too, like politically. Okay. And dealing with that. Oh, and it's so good and so heartbreaking. I cried during this book probably seven times. Like, actually, like, tears were leaking out of my face. And that, like, never happens when I read books. Like, I don't, like, I can be sad, but I don't actually, like, break into sobs while I'm reading something. Oh, I cry all the time when I read. It's not really something that happens to me. But it's, it's just, like... It's so moving to consider what her life is like and how the people in this, like, quarantine colony try to create normalcy, Mm -hmm. even though their bodies are, like, essentially slowly falling apart. And then, like, the the part that really fucking fucked me up is I am going to spoiler something here. Um, But do read the book because it's worth it. Um, So she finds someone on the island to have a romantic relationship with who is also um, afflicted with the disease and she ends up getting pregnant which she didn't thought she could and the shitty thing is is that they have to take the baby away because there's no way that they'll be able to keep it on the island around the disease and in the end because um, her, um, Rachel, the main character, her husband, she's Hawaiian, her husband uh, has Japanese ancestry. Their daughter, when she's given up for adoption, ends up in California and is interned during World War II. Oh, wow. And, oh my god, this part in the book was so, so brutally emotional because... When Rachel hears this, she's an old woman, and 
it's old and it's like late enough now that there's treatments for this condition, but she's somehow survived up to that point. She's just like broken because she says like, all I wanted for you, my daughter, was a life of freedom. And even you who didn't have this disease were still put in a cage. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. It was so... I was sobbing. Just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. It's so beautiful. And it's not even a new book. I think it was written in, like, 2003. So it was, like, I don't know. I don't know how it ended up in my lap, but high recommend. Really, right. really, really, really gorgeous. I will add that to my list of 170 books that I need to read. It is, like, longer and denser than um, The Silent Patient. Like, you'd whip through The Silent Patient in an afternoon. Molokai did take me long because it's heavier and much, much harder to swallow. Mm-hmm. But fucking fantastic. And I really had no idea about... Like, I knew this... I knew this, like, glib understanding of leper colonies. But I really didn't understand anything about the disease or about that life. And it was just, like, a real eye-opener. As to what it would have, like... What it would have been back then to have something that people... It's... Well, I think the equivalent would have been like HIV to like the 80s and 90s where people had like no fucking clue they didn't know how you got it they didn't know how to treat it they didn't know what to do with you once you got it like it was just like it was scary right and reading that through these different points of views was like it was like a social stigma like oh your daughter who's seven has leprosy well I guess like, no one she ever knows. We're just going to pretend you don't exist anymore. Hmm. Huh. Like, super fucked up. But, like, probably it's at the top of my list of, like, one of my favorite books I've ever read. Well, that's good to know. I, I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah. High recommend Molokai and The Silent Patient. All right. Okay, tell me about Tarantino's latest jerk-off. Um, well... <laughs> That's a great introduction for this movie. Um, so I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, last week, and it was good. And it, I mean, everything about it was very classically Tarantino, mm-hmm. except that it wasn't. Like, and so, so it was very much like you know he's he's very much a, like a stylistic director, right? And so he very wants you like it's he he's very conscious of. Um, shot composition and and things yeah. like that like he's he's very, very that's part of his storytelling right yeah um but there was most other tarantino films are very like needlessly gory right and this one really wasn't um except for a couple little moments and then at the end Mm-hmm. But, like, it didn't have that same feel all of the time. I kept kind of waiting for the violence to happen, as it as you become accustomed to in a Tarantino movie. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so there was only like, a couple flashes of it, and then at the very end there was quite a lot. And it was to the point that I had to cover my eyes. I was like, holy shit. Um, but it was really good. It was really well done. Uh, it was funny. 
in parts. Um, there was like a very odd bit of like, um, and I don't know, I, I don't know if this is like a, a, an intentional thing because of sort of like the climate of the day, like right now, but there was this bit where Brad Pitt's character, whose name is Cliff, um, gets propositioned by this very obviously like underaged girl. And he's mm-hmm. like, how old are you? Show me some ID. And I was like, holy shit, what? Like, it would just, it felt very, like, odd, but it didn't not fit with the movie. Right. Um, it was just, it was really well done. It was, it was beautifully colored, I thought was maybe one of the best things about it. Um, like, it just, and it, and from all the stuff that I've read, he did a really great job of recreating sort of that, like, late 60s Hollywood vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was phenomenal. I'm he was, not surprised. He was absolutely phenomenal. And Brad Pitt was great. Like, he was... I, you just... You could... I believed everything that he said as his character. Like, it was... He was wonderful. Um, the Mar... The Sharon Tate, like, Margot Robbie, she was great in that sort of very guileless kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were times where I felt that that story, like, didn't... Didn't do anything. But then when I got to the end, I was like, okay, I get it now. Makes sense. Um, yeah. When I saw what this movie, like, was about, I did get a little bit nervous. Because I was like, this feels exploitive to be like, I'm going to make a movie about Hollywood and the Sharon Tate murder. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I'd really want to see that, though. Like, But it's not it a just... movie about Hollywood in the way. It's a fairy tale. But but also, it's not because Sharon Tate was fucking murdered by the Mansons. Like, Yeah, you need to see the movie. It's a fairy tale. Uh... Like, as a lover of true crime as I am, that's one of the ones that just, like, really makes me upset. Yeah, it's it, it, it. I just just trust me. It's a fairy tale, and you need to see it. It okay. it's great. It's really well done. Um, I think one of the things I liked sort of the best about it, like, and it was it was really funny in certain in certain parts. Like there was just some really good, like good comedic energy, which mm-hmm. was nice. Um, and that's one of the th- and, and again, it's one of those like one of those like Tarantino quirks, right? Where everything is a little bit off balance right, right. like you like you, you're like i shouldn't be laughing because i know what's coming but also this was really funny right and so you see there's like these two sort of competing storylines right like you see the the downfall of of rick dalton's career where he he realizes ultimately that he's a, a has-been um and that he doesn't have the opportunity for you know like leading roles or anything anymore Mm-hmm. Um, because his TV show that he was in uh, in the fifties is now off the air and all this kind of stuff. But and then you also have like the the Manson Sharon Tate storyline and like and like they have, they cast someone as Roman Polanski and he looks he's basically dressed like Austin Powers the entire time and doesn't say a word on screen, which is incredible. Whoa! So he's like, so he's like part of the story. But he's not really part of the story. Yeah. Which I like, because I think that's a very necessary thing. Well, also, I don't think, given, you know, what's happened in the future, I don't think a lot of people want to 
empathize with Roman Polanski very much. No, and so all you see is just is just him as like a silent movie star ultimately, like he because he doesn't say a word on screen. Interesting, um, which is kind of nice. Um, yeah, it was it was very much like if you wanted to if you wanted to explain a Tarantino film to someone, this would be a good film to use to explain. Hmm. Um, cause it is, there's lots of points at which it's very self-indulgent. There's lots of points at which, you know, you're just like, oh, of course. And then there's something really great that happens, like a little brilliant little moment of some kind. And I think that's a pretty common thing in a lot of his films. Oh my God. Damien Lewis is in this movie and plays Steve McQueen. Yeah. Ah, <gasps> oh, it's like all my fantasies come to life. Um, yeah, it's great. He's not in it for much, but he's in it. Absolutely. That might um, be the only reason I see it. Oh, I think you need to watch it. Um, yeah, it was it was really, really, really well done. And the thing that I thought was maybe, like, the most... Um, the thing that I thought was the most interesting is you have these, like, two sort of separate storylines. And so, basically, the, the synopsis is, is that Rick Dalton, his place is next door to um, where Polanski and Sharon Tate live. Mm-hmm. That's that's how he's involved in this story because of course Rick Dalton is not a real person and neither is Cliff Booth like they're not real people. Did you um, read the article about who they were based on though? Yes, Burt Reynolds and his stunt double. Yeah, uh, I can't. Maybe it was Hollywood Reporter. I read that. That article was fucking fascinating though. Oh yeah, about their relationship. But sorry, continue. Well, and and so that's the thing. Like Cliff is is his stunt double officially, but like isn't really his stunt double anymore. Mm-hmm. He's his driver and a whole bunch of because like Rick can't doesn't drive anymore because he's been caught, you know, drinking and driving too many times and this and this. So like Cliff is kind of like his his utility man. Um, and but he still but but Rick still refers to him as his stunt double because that was what you know in their heyday that's what he was. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so that's the story is that he lives there and then and then like Cliff like comes and he picks Rick up every day and takes him to whatever set he's supposed to be on and then picks him up at the end of the day and drives him home and then goes back to his own place like in this awful shitty trailer park ultimately. And there's a couple points at which uh, a couple times where like he's gonna he ends up like crashing there just because and like on the the, the, the last night of the film, he ends up crashing there as well. Um, but they live these very separate lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, the only reason that they're part of the film is because they happen to be living next door to, um, to Polanski and Sharon Tate. And at one point in time, I think we, I think I'd have to, I probably would have to watch this again, but I think we only see Charles Manson once. Oh. He just like sh- shows up on screen, um, looking for this person who used to live in this house, looking for some guy named Terry who used to live in the house that Polanski and Tate live in. And that's how he's sort of there. And, and Cliff happens to just kind of see him uh, while he's up on the roof fixing the TV antenna. Weird. And that's kind of, yeah. And that's sort of like the only scene that we get him in. And then um, he gets mentioned a lot, but he, you never actually see him again. So it's not about the Mansons at all. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's really, really interesting, and it's really well done, and I really think you should see it. Okay, uh, I'll have to see if I can make some time. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it was I liked it a lot better. I mean, I liked it a lot better than I liked Kill Bill because Kill Bill was terrible. Um, I love Kill Bill. No, it's so bad. Love it. Um, yeah, it's. I'm trying. I was trying to like place it somewhere, and I don't know that I have like a favorite Tarantino movie. They're all just so different. I think it's really Bastards to... might be my favorite. Yeah, I think for him it's about like what's the most rewatchable. Because not think, all of them are. I think that's the one that for yeah. me is the most rewatchable is Inglorious Bastards. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was good and it was it was what I expected it to be and also what it, not what I expected it to be and I think that's the best you can say for a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But yeah, it was super well done. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I saw Men in Black International also. Is it as bad as people say it is? You know what? It's not a great movie, but it was super fun. So whatever. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson just like dicking around in Europe. It was great fun. I saw Shazam. Okay. I actually really liked it. It was just like, same. It's just like a fun romp. And it was, like, a nice tone breaker to all these fucking grim, gritty superhero movies other than Spider-Man. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was really fun. What's-His-Nuts did an excellent job as, uh, what's-His-Name? Fuck. Oh, no, it's bugging me. As Shazam? Yeah. Shit. Um... But yeah, yeah, I thought Men in Black was just like, there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't a great movie, um, but it was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I don't think I was meant to, like, you know, I don't think it was meant to be a think piece on, like, alien-human relations, so I'm, I'm good with that. Zachary Levi. There he is. Sorry. Um, you know, like, I just, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like the movie did what it was supposed to do. It's supposed to be a popcorn movie. Yeah, and I think sometimes those popcorn movies are, it's just fine to have those. Agreed. I don't know why um, every movie has to be, like, non-entertainment. So, yeah, I saw that, and I'm going to go see John Wick, I think, tomorrow. Nice. Again, it doesn't need to be, you know, like a treatise on anything. It's just John Wick. It's just what it is. Yeah. Um, also, I've been watching Hallmark movies because uh, W has them on a lot on the weekends. And I've been, you know, kind of not doing a lot, which is good. Um, and last night, over a four-hour period, there were two movies. One was called, I don't know, Love at the Beach, maybe? I don't even know. <laughs> Love Potentially. at the Beach. Which is like, just, you know, all of my favorite things come to life. Uh, and the other one was called Rome in Love, which... Is ridiculous, but anyway. Um, the same lead actor was in both movies, and he was two very different characters. And there was it was a little bit of like, oh shit, what? It's not the the Hallmark extended universe, the the Hugh. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, it was very confusing. Like, I mean, and they were very obviously very different characters in different settings. Like, it wasn't that difficult to like keep track of. But I was, it just kind of brought into pretty stark relief, like, how few people actually are in these movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, how few pairings, you know, like, there's that all there these are. 
pairings of people. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just really funny to me that it was the same guy back to back. And I was like, man, that seems like a bad choice on someone's part to air those back to back. Yeah. The scheduling people you yeah. should have known. <laughs> yeah. Like they, and like, I mean, they're fine, right? Everything's happy in the end and the people fall in love and it's fine at the end. Like who cares? I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for something that makes me think at all, but it was just really funny that it was just really funny that of, you know back-to-back movies that happened to be the same guy uh playing two very different roles one he was like in the one he was a surfer um and he was of course a little bit obnoxious in the neighbor at his at the beach house like really didn't like him and of course then they fell in love because of course they did and in the other one he was like a reporter for a magazine an english language magazine in rome trying to get the scoop on like this new actress this like unknown new actress in this remake of roman holiday um, and just like very different purposes and very different roles and very, it was just, it was very strange to like look at the same face and be like, wait a minute, wait a but, second. But that's funny. Cause you're like, I don't want to think very hard. Like just give me some garbage. And then you end up being like, wait a minute, this <laughs> wait is the same second. guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, obviously like, you can watch movies. Like I can watch movies back to back with like other actors. Right. And I don't have the same trouble. Mm hmm. And part of it is because they're better actors, and so they, like, get into their role a little bit better. Yeah. Whereas, like, in these ones, I think it's just the same dude, just, like, it's just, like, the dude playing himself, pretending to be a surfer. Right. And the dude, you know, <laughs> pretending to be a reporter, uh-huh. while he's also playing himself. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any real acting going on. It's not a ton of depth. No. Like, right now, I'm watching, it's on mute, obviously, but, like, Ocean's Eleven is on. Mm-hmm. And that might be one of my favorite Brad Pitt movies. Oh, for sure. Because I absolutely love his character in this. Me too. I also just watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's a very different character, and I would have zero problem watching that back-to-back with this, because they're very, very different. You mean because they're good actors? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, that was my, like, weird little cognitive dissonance moment last night. I was like, well, when I should have been doing something useful, like editing photos or like working on my paper or something, I was like, well, I'm gonna watch a Hallmark movie and another one. (laughs) Uh, Once you're in that mood, though. It's true. How can you not? It's very true. Um, I also read a book. Can I tell you about it? Please. I mean, I read more than one, but the one that I want to talk about, it was that uh, Protect and Defend that uh, my buddy gave me. Yes. Um, It was really good. So, the basic story is, there's this 15-year-old girl in San Francisco who's pregnant and wants an abortion. Um, And in the story, the federal government has just passed legislation that, um, like the U.S. federal government, that they, that you can't uh, have an abortion without parental consent Mm -hmm. um, in any capacity, like, unless, uh, unless there's, like, an immediate threat to the woman's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so any minor who's seeking an abortion has to have parental consent. And this girl, she's, um, she's 15 and she's Catholic. Oh, yes. And her father, father is a lawyer and I believe, I don't know about her mother, but her father's a lawyer. So he's got, you know, education and, uh, an actual knowledge to sort of back up some of the things that he's saying. Plus his whole, um, belief system opposes what she wants. Yeah. Um, and so she goes into this law office to ask, like, what 
you know, can is there some some way that these that this lawyer can help her because she wants an abortion because she's found out that the baby um, uh, that the fetus has hydrocephalus, so like water on the brain. Yes. And according to the sonogram, uh, and according to the doctor, basically there's there's very little chance that there's even like any remnants of a brain in there. Not just because, I mean, if, you know, sometimes that happens and there's a brain in, in that skull and other times there isn't, right? Uh, and so, and the, the, if she takes this baby to term, there's a very good chance because of the size of the head that she'll never be able to have children again. So this is the, you know, at 15, this is the information that she's gotten. And so she, she's decided that she wants to abort this fetus mm-hmm. because to protect herself ultimately, um, but because of that, it's not deemed to be her reproductive future is not deemed to be like an immediate health crisis. And so she has to have parental consent for the abortion. Oh God. Right. So then this is written in 2002. It's very timely for now, but it was written in 2002. Um, and so there's that. And then at the same time, the new president has to nominate a new, uh, chief justice of the Supreme court because the chief justice had had passed away like just after the president's inauguration so kind of like so these two things are going on at the same time and so the the woman that ends up being nominated um she was a judge in the ninth circuit court based in san francisco and it happened that the lawyer that this girl had gone to see used to clerk for this judge so that's that's kind of where where these two stories come together um and it's a fascinating look at like all of the the political sort of machinations around like abortion legislation and how you know, people's personal beliefs get in the way, but there's also this other story about, like, Supreme Court nominations and how political they are and how... Oh, for sure. And and how the side that, like, wants to oppose it, the lengths to which they will go to, to prove this person unworthy, if possible. Um, oh. It was absolutely fascinating. It was really, really well done. I read the first, like, it's about, it was about 700 pages. I read the first, like, 250 pages in, like, I don't know, two and a half hours. Like, I just couldn't put it down. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really well done. And it wasn't, like, to my thing with legal whatevers. I find them just, like, so dense and just, like, lawyers talking to lawyers about law. Um, there was less of that than you would have expected. Because a lot of it was actually the base. Of, the basis of the story was political, and right. not legal. So there was a lot of that, um, and so there's like you know a Democratic president and one of his closest friends, and the, the president used to be a senator. So one of his closest friends in the Senate happened to be a Republican, who also happened. I don't know if he was the opponent in the presidential race, or if he had been um, uh, on the primary on the Republican primary ticket. Right. But he he also had aspirations. And then, you know, it comes out that at one point in time, like, you know, some of the senators, some of the Republican senators, um, their children had abortions or, you know, someone gave up a a child for adoption. Or their mistress had an abortion. Yes. And all this kind of shit. Like, there's a whole bunch of, of that where, which I think is probably fairly common, right? Um, and when you, and like right now when you hear like criticisms of like abortion legislation and that kind of stuff, it's like, yeah, they're making it hard for like normal people to have abortions, but, um, you know, that, that so-and-so's mistress will never not be able to have one. Mm -hmm. 
and that kind of thing. Like the whole thing was really, really fascinating. And there's actually quite a lengthy afterward from the author talking about all of the people who helped him in his research to figure out how to tell the story properly, because there's a lot of fairly sensitive topics in this one story. Um, and like, it was just the number of like constitutional law scholars and like people that he, that he talked to, to get the information that he needed, was just absolutely staggering. Um, but yeah, it was really, really well done and I would recommend, it's a good read. It's not a hard read. I didn't think. Okay. Um, It was easy to read like big chunks at a time. Yeah. Um, but it was just really, really interesting and, and sort of how, how those conversations happen. Yeah. How those conversations take place and how, like what that political, you know, and there's, there's stuff about like, you know, who leaks what to the media, um, and those kind of things and, and how, how we get, you know, information and, and that sorts of, that sort of stuff. Like it was just absolutely fascinating. Hmm. Um, and very worth, I think very worth reading. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I haven't read anything else that's, like, super worth talking about. Yeah. Oh, I've read, like, eight Jack Reachers, but they're all the same, so... <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're... Yeah, Jack Reachers are, like, Hallmark movies. <laughs> so true. Actually, I did read one. Fuck, I have no idea what the title was. But straight up, he discovers that <laughs> this, like, small town in fucking Wyoming or some shit. I love... I don't know which one that is either. I fucking love that book. I don't even know. Is it the one where at the end it turns out like the small town evil people, he can't figure out what they're doing and people keep going missing and it's because they're making murder snuff films in the basement? That one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one was fucking crazy. I got to the part where they're like, they find the evidence and I was like, whoa, wait, what? It's just like he just writes it like it's so like fucking blase. Reacher's like, well, yeah, it happens every day. Yeah, to you. God, he's crazy. Um, I have a history buff quiz for you. Okay, I'm on it. Or, um, uh, essentially like a would you rather random generation thing. Which would you? Oh, here's a would you rather for the would you rather. Do you want to play Would You Rather or the History Buff quiz? Um, yes. It doesn't matter. Okay. I'd like um, the History Buff one would be fun, but... Okay. So, they are timed, so you do have to be, like, quick. So, I'll try to read them fast to you, okay? Okay. Okay. How many republics made up the former Soviet Union? 10, uh, 15, 20, or 12? I think it's 12. I think it's 12. Incorrect, 15. I'm so sorry. Oh, I thought, see, at first I thought it was 13, and then I was like, no, maybe not. So, okay. Okay. When was the first Nobel Prize in Economics awarded? 69, 29, 49, or 09? Well, it wasn't fucking 29. That was the stock market crash. Um, I'm going to say 49. <laughs> 69. Really? Nice. Interesting. <laughs> Which book was written by Niccolo Machiavelli? The Prince. Correct. Of what country was Simon Bolivar president? Peru, Argentina, Bolivia, or Chile? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, 
Can you say those again? Peru, Argentina, Bolivia, or Chile? Bolivia, I think. Peru. Peru. Really? Which Indian president was involved in the struggle for Irish independence? Oh, God, these names. I'm so sorry. Vivi Giri, Gulzarila Nanda, Neelam Sanjeeva Reddy, or S. Radhakrishnan. Radhakrishnan. What's the question again? The names are fine. Which of the... Pro- oh, we timed out. Okay, that's okay. It was Vivi Geary. <laughs> Interesting. Who was Karl Marx's associate and fellow political theoretic- theoretician? Engels? Yes. They were all Friedrich names, which is how I think they were going to get you. Uh, where were the Aegean Bronze Age civilizations located? Greece, India, Spain, or Algeria? Um, Greece, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Like, the Aegean is your huge yeah. giveaway there. I was like, is there a trick to this? Am I missing something? Oh, God. This is a fucking wild quiz. This is the last question. Which of these battles did not involve Roman soldiers? Okay. Thermopylae, Eretium... Cannae or Chalons? It's Thermopylae. (laughs) Oh my god, I can't believe you got that right. That's the one that, no, the Battle of Thermopylae, isn't that, that's the the 300 one, is it not? Oh yeah, Persians and Alliance of Greek City-States. Yeah, yeah, because King Leonidas is on that, I I got that one. Gerard Butler was there, don't worry about it. Well, you got four out of eight, and I would have gotten one out of eight, so I'm very proud of you. Oh, I would have gotten two out of eight. I don't know I don't know about that Simone Boulevard question, but anyway, whatever. The correct answer was Peru. Yeah, I don't ugh. He was also the president of Gran Colombia too, which I feel like is a cheat. Well, see, here's the thing. He was a Venezuelan political leader who led the secession of a whole bunch of different states, but, like, I didn't know. He was also the fucking president of Bolivia. What the fuck? Fuck that question. I knew I was right. Okay, you, we'll just take that, we'll just take that whole question off. You got four out of seven. <laughs> okay, perfect. Good job. Do you want, um, would you rather, or do you have a quiz? Uh, you can do it, would you rather? I have a quiz for you. Okay, let's just do a few of these. Um, would you rather only speak in questions or only speak in movie quotes? Movie quotes, hands down. <laughs> 72% of people agree. I would, my, my go-to would be, would my go-to be? <laughs> my go-to just be, this is Sparta and kick people in the chest? I think maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, just the Nolan cinematic universe. Uh, would you rather lose your preferred hand or lose your preferred foot? Uh, foot. Okay. 69 nice percent of people agree. 
would you rather be known as a drug dealer or known as a liar? Drug dealer. Really? Why not? Wow. 57%. I guess known as doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, we already did that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Would you rather wake up in a bathtub full of ice missing a kidney or wake up in a public bathroom with a handful of singles and a really lazy eye? What? I have no idea what that's about. Did I consent to being put in the bathtub and have my kidney extracted? Because that one. Well. I don't know. Just. That one's just scary. Yeah, that's disturbing. Um, would you rather only talk in third person or never be able to call someone by name? <laughs> oh, I'd never be able to call someone by name. <laughs> you know, the blue pants one. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, eat nothing but ketchup for a week or eat nothing but mustard for a week? Ketchup. Yeah, that one would really fucking suck. <laughs> oh, no. Would you rather be deaf or be Amish? <laughs> be deaf or be Amish? <laughs> How are those equivalent? I think I'd rather be Amish. Yeah. You still are able to hear. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, <laughs> that's the craziest question. Someone really thinks that being Amish is like a death sentence. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find a good one. Oh, God. Some of these are really dark. Okay. Would you rather own 10,000 Mr. Potato Heads or 10,000 Bobbleheads? Are they unique Bobbleheads? It doesn't say. Because, sure, I'll go with the Bobbleheads. (laughs) Oh, man. These are... I didn't realize these were, like, submitted by the public, and now it's just really, really coming true. Because there's things like, would you rather be a lefty or a righty? And then there's something like, would you rather have your fingers always covered in barbecue sauce? (laughs) Or have your fingers always covered in Doritos nacho cheese flavor dust? And barbecue sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's it for this stupid website today. Okay, I I got a couple for you. Okay. Uh, this is a would you rather, but about parks and recreation. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit more specific. Would you rather eat waffles with Leslie or eggs and bacon with Ron? Eggs and bacon with Ron. Because Ron would talk less. Ooh, I like it. Only 32% of people said so. They're wrong. Would you rather drink snake juice with Tom or throw rocks with Andy in the pit? (laughs) I said throw rocks at Andy in the pit, and I had my answer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really want to spend time with Andy. Do you want to spend time with Tom, though? 
Yeah, it's treat yourself time. Okay. All right. So Tom. Yeah. Tom. Snake juice. It's Tom. Only thirty five percent. Would you rather make prank calls with April or watch movies with Anne? Movies with Anne. Um, you are in the minority. Only thirty five percent. Would you rather have dinner with the Gergiches or with this the the Saperstein Saperstein? Oh, Saperstein's for sure. <laughs> that would be the craziest shit ever. Sixty six percent say the Gergiches. What is wrong with people? Well, people love Jerry, and also his hot daughters probably. Or Larry, or Terry, or Gary, <laughs> or Gary, whatever he's going as. Uh, would you rather do yoga with Chris or make claymations with Ben? Yoga with Chris. Yes, absolutely. Uh, still in the minority, 49%. Come on, people. <laughs> Would you rather commit crimes with Janet Snakehole or solve them with Burt Macklin? Oh, that's a good one. Commit crimes for sure. Uh, 40%. Fucking hell! Would you rather get caught stealing Ron's bacon or keying Donna's Mercedes? Oh, God. <laughs> Stealing Ron's bacon. Because uh, yes, Donna, is... Donna will fucking end you. Yeah, 76% agree with you. Finally. Would you rather eat calzones with Leslie and Ben or eat frisbee chili with Annie and April? Calzones. <laughs> Disgusting. Come on. Gotta be calzones. <laughs> the frisbee chili is so funny. <laughs> um, calzones, 74%. There you go. Would you rather get a photo with uh, little Sebastian or play fetch with champion? Play fetch with champion. That is the majority, 52%. No, fuck those people. Like, I'm not worried about being the majority. People just need to be with me because I'm right. Would you rather be interviewed by Perd Happily or Joan Calamezzo? Oh, God. (laughs) Probably purred because, like, it would just be a, a puff piece. Joan wouldn't actually, like, ask it. No, she would just talk about her hangover. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, 65% say purred. Okay. Would you rather go Tammy 2 or Councilman Jam? Oh, no. Oh, no. Is Tammy 2 library Tammy 2? Yeah. Yeah, that one. I, that was uh, what I was thinking. 62% say Tammy too. Okay. And finally, would you rather live in Pawnee or Eagleton? <laughs> wow. And the signs they have here <laughs> for Eagleton, the picture they have here is like probably, I'm assuming there's a windmill and like, like their city hall. And the other one is a sign that says Pawnee, first in friendship, fourth in obesity. <laughs> well, of course you want to be first in friendship. Uh, 77%. I would have expected that to be higher. Mm. Eagleton's, like, where the rich people live, though. It's true. Okay, um, we're gonna do, uh, what Stranger Things character are you? Okay, is this our last thing? Yeah. Okay, good. This has been going on forever. (laughs) Okay, ready? Not that I have enjoyed it, but it's a long one. (laughs) Choose an 80s movie. E.T., Terminator, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Goonies, or Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, Goonies. Okay. I'm already going to be Dustin. I can feel it. 
Pick a superpower. Telekinesis, super strength, flight, super speed, invisibility, or teleportation. Teleportation. Okay. Your friends would describe you as loyal, funny, charismatic, kind, relaxed, or logical. Loyal. Okay. Choose a place to hang out with friends. The pool, the arcade, Mike's basement, <laughs> junkyard, the middle school, or the mall? The mall. I feel like this is not going to know what to do with my answers. Choose some 80s slang. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, bitchin', tubular, gnarly, or wicked? Wicked. Okay. How is yeah, radical crisis. not on there? Come on. Because there's only four choices for that one for some reason. In a crisis, you would be calm, cautious, nervous, strategic, responsible, or brave. Nervous. Finally, uh, choose something important, someone or something important from the series. Christmas lights in the alphabet wall, Muse, Barb, Steve's bat, Egos, or dart. Oh, dart. Mm. The question is, choose something important? Yeah, something that's significant. The lights, I guess. Okay. You got Mike. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is there an explanation, or is it just like, well, that's it for you then? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're smart, optimistic, and open-minded. You're a leader, not a follower, and you make decisions with your heart. You're brave and trusting, and you do anything for the people you love. But, Megan, none of that is correct. Uh, you're, you trust people, and you do anything for the people that you love. Yeah, but all the rest of it is bullshit. Are you going to do it now? You make decisions with your heart. Let's be honest here. Uh, yes, I'll do this now. Please. Talk uh, us okay. through your selection. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Pick a superpower. Mm, invisibility. My friends would describe me as... What would you describe me as? Loyal, funny, charismatic, kind, relaxed, or logical? None of those things. No, that's not true. Uh, I'm trying to pick the one. Relaxed. Uh, choose a place to hang out with friends. Uh, no. Basement, for sure. There's fewer people around. Uh, <laughs> choose 80 slang, vision, tubular, gnarly, or wicked. I'm gonna say gnarly. That's a great word. In a crisis, I would be calm, cautious, nervous, strategic, responsible, or brave. I would be strategic, let's be honest here. Mm -hmm. And choose something important from this series. How could I go wrong with Steve's bat? <laughs> I got Max. Oh! Let's hear Funky it. and smart. Don't care what other people think of you. You aren't really trusting, but when you find the right group of people to open up to, you're, loyal. you're a loyal team player who'd do anything for their friends. That is very true. Holy shit. That's on point, Megan. That's funny. Wow. Um, Good for you. Good job, BuzzFeed. You got okay. one right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I asked for questions and Amanda got back to us, but her question was, tell me anything I need to know about dogs, question mark? Oh, she's thinking of getting a dog. Uh, the answer to that, Amanda, is don't. Oh, no, I think she should get a dog. No, I knowing her... 
knowing how busy she is all the time, the answer is go I get know. a dog. But I feel like she's a very supportive family that would assist with the dog. And a lot of people that live nearby. And that would be extremely helpful. But yeah, because, like, that's the reason why I will never get a dog. If you're, like, buying one, I don't... I have mixed feelings about breeders versus adopting, whatever the fuck. Just, like, just just give that lo- loving home to that new puppy or older dog. Whatever it is, just, just be loving. The one thing that I know from people that I know who've gotten dogs from breeders and stuff is that, like... Purebreds, especially, tend to have more health problems. You betcha. So get yourself a mutt. Yeah, give you, get yourself a mutt and you'll live forever. Um, yeah. That's what you need to know about dogs. I don't know. I've never had a dog. They're the best. Um, I like other people's dogs. I just don't want one. I was a little bit delayed. That was part of my delay in not being ready this morning is because my dog straight up headbutted me in the face and I thought he broke my nose. Oh. <laughs> so there's a little bit of crying that happened. Oh. <laughs> and everything's fine, I think. I haven't looked in the mirror since then, so it might be a little bit of a shocker later, but what do you do? Um, yeah, that's, uh, that'd be a little bit of a, a little bit of a crisis. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, that was the only question that we got. And Drew was like, you still record a podcast? It's not a funny joke anymore. Stop it. Um, that's all we have. (sighs) Okay. And I think that's good. Yep. Um... You can find us on the internet in a whole bunch of places. You can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Um, Megan is on Twitter at Ming14. The Instagram is at Garbage Fire Podcast. The, the Twitter is at Garbage Fire Pod. We have a website. Yeah, garbagefirepodcast.com. Uh, and you can email us, garbagefirepodcast at gmail.com. It's nice when we get emails that isn't just like, you have signed in for another device. I'm like, yeah, I know I did that. Uh, it's always just a security announcement. Um, that's it. That's all. Uh, at some point in time, we will watch um, Battleship. Yes, I think that's next. Yeah, and record that for your listening pleasure. Yeah, that would be lovely. Are you busy Monday or Tuesday for that, Megan? Like, tomorrow? Yeah. And Tuesday? Yeah. Uh, we'll talk once we're done. Okay. Um, (laughs) and, uh, we'll do that, and then we'll, you know, do some other stuff. And our 100th episode is coming up real soon, and we're into, like, the last seven, I think. I think, is this 94, maybe? I don't know. The whole, like, lost episode really fucked with everything. In terms of my awareness, so... Um, maybe this is 93. 92? I don't know. It's, no, it's after 92. Um, no, this would be, I don't know, anyway. So we don't have very much, I'm just, I'm very confused with, like, the notes that are up here. Yeah. Um, we don't have very many to go until we get to, um, 100. Oh, no, this is 94, because 93 was to all the boys. Oh, shit. Yeah. 
Okay, well... So we have, like, six more. So if you have any sort of things that you would like us to maybe, like, tackle, or ideas for, like, how to commemorate the 100th episode of this nonsense, um, let us know, and we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah, we did get a few, like, good tweets of things we could talk about, but still still looking for more suggestiones so please yeah send we'll uh, we'll send that out on the twitter and you can you know answer our question there and we'll we'll see what we do mm-hmm. uh that's oh, all we what have. if it was a hundred questions it was an all questions episode so are we writing the questions ourselves because no one's gonna send them in oh i mean i like the idea i'm just saying Knowing how this goes. That's true. We're going to have to write a bunch of questions ourselves. That's true. Or we could just, like, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, anyway. We'll figure <laughs> um, that's all we have for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster. <laughs>